We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rays have suffered another heartbreak when it comes to starting pitching. Josh Young is out for a long period of time. Tim Anderson has a glass chin. That and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Brought to you by the good folks at Home Run Index. We'll be uh, hearing from them a little bit later on. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke, as always, on Tuesday. Hey, Fred. How's it going? I'm good. As the listeners will quickly find out, my voice is a little hoarse this week, but uh, all my baseball acumen is still up, still upstairs, still right up here. All right. All right. Yeah. Very good. You're just doing a Barry White impersonation. That's all. So uh, you <laughs> yeah. get that going for a you. A few octaves higher, but yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Hey, let's jump right into when we were putting together our outline. The news dropped today about Shane McClanahan. Unlikely to pitch the rest of the season. All options are on the table, including possibly Tommy John surgery. Devastating blow to fantasy owners, let alone the Rays, uh, who just can't buy a break when it comes to starting pitching this year. Yeah, I mean, you go back and look at what their rotation looked like right at the outset of the season and what it looks like now. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the long term takeaways of this will be as far as like, is this the Rays fault? Is this, you know, I've seen people theorize that the Rays, you know, have acquired pitchers sometimes who have injury risk associated with them and that's why they get them on the cheap i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's really accurate or not but if you look at that rotation yeah from the beginning of the season when they had mcclanahan when they had springs rasmussen and they were soaring out in front of everybody and now all three of those pitchers done you know probably for the year i I don't think rasmussen is 100 percent for sure done for the year but i don't think anyone's waiting to get him back so that does not now look much like a like a good playoff rotation anymore. No, it doesn't. And this is a team, I mean, they've been kind of scuffling anyhow, uh, even with McClanahan. Uh, I mean, you, they had such an amazing start, right? Uh, I, I think we're, you know, if we, I think, so they're currently, I mean, they're, they're, they still have a pretty good odds of making the playoffs because they buffered in so much. Like if you look at playoff, like playoff odds, estimators are at like 95%. Um, it was a lot higher though. At one point in time, it was like 99% at one point in time. Uh, if you look at kind of like their game logs and all that, I mean, they're currently 22 games over 500. They got to 22 really quickly. 
That's right. They've kind of just been holding serve, I know, because my Blue Jays have been chasing them and not really gaining, but not also not necessarily playing great. Like, kind of the Jays seem to kind of win a few, lose a few, win a few, lose a few. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the Rays, like, they've got a seven-game lead on Seattle, like, who is the team that would have to catch them right now right. to knock them off, and a nine-game lead on Boston and a nine-and-a-half-game lead on the Yankees. So I think the Rays will play enough Rays baseball to get into the postseason, it's just I don't know if they can get past. I don't know. The first round's so short. Like maybe, like anything can happen in the first round. It's just so short. I just it just doesn't seem any more like a team, like with a pitching staff that can uh, that could go all the way this year. Yeah. I'm starting to kind of cross them off my list of AL teams that I think could go all the way, especially because there's some really good AL teams right now. Yeah, and the thing is, everybody needs a pitcher. I mean, and they did their best. They got Aaron Savali. Yeah, and Joshian's, if you read Joshian's newsletter, and you should, uh, but his latest one, he does his like third, third newsletters where basically kind of goes team by team, you know, based off of his predictions of where they're, you know, whether they're going to make the playoffs or not and all that. And there's like, today it was like going through some of the contenders that may not make the playoffs. He didn't even get to the Rays, obviously. He does think the Rays will make it, but all of them uniformly failed to get the pitching they needed. The Reds didn't do anything. Uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks, they got uh, a closer in Paul Seawall, but they couldn't get a starter. You know, you kept going through these teams, and the common thread was the market wasn't there. There wasn't that starter available. Now, in the case of the Reds, that's not true. Any starter would have been better than Luke Weaver, uh, you know, than pushing Ben Lively to the utter brink, so then he had to go on the I.L. afterward. Uh, any pitcher, any live arm would have been better. You know, just because of the way they've been overusing their bullpen. But, you know, uh, the Rays, at least they did do one trade, but they paid a pretty hefty price for Aaron yep. Savali. Uh, they, they, you know, a, a top 100 prospect, some, at uh, one point was a top 10 prospect in some rankings. Had Cal Manzardo had kind of cooled off on that a little bit, had a rougher year in AAA and is also dealing with some stuff, injuries and personal issues this year. But nonetheless, still <laughs> a legitimately big name prospect. And, you know, they, they, you know, they got a pitcher in Savali that's more than just this year. So that helps, but it's still pretty, like they had to pay a b- pretty big price for a slightly better than league average pitcher. Yeah. And they're going to need him now a lot. You know, he's not yeah. a luxury for them. Like he's, I don't know, like, like now Tyler glass. Now they're hoping he's going to start Saturday. He shut down for a couple of days here. They're hoping he'll start Saturday. Like, like Savali's going to be for sure in their top three starters the rest of the way could even be higher than that so you know i i was looking the Rays. they still rank third in the majors and run differential by a pretty wide margin i know they built up a lot of that at the beginning of the season but mm-hmm. you never count out the Rays, right right they always they're such a smart organization but it, they definitely to me like looking at that pitching staff like it doesn't look like a staff that can go deep into the playoffs I'd agree with that. Do you think it's a staff that can hold this lead? I would be, I'd be surprised if the Rays didn't make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's the right assessment. Um, they'll make the playoffs. They might even advance around, uh, depending on what you know slot they get. I mean, say if they drop somehow to the sixth seed, then they get to face the Twins. Eh, I can see them beating yep. the Twins pretty comfortably. Uh, I wouldn't. I think if they're against the Yankees, well, against the Yankees, I'm not afraid of them either. Actually. Uh, was, although I think the Yankees would probably be favored, although they just lost Carlos Rodon. They, you know, their, their hitting has been a disaster. The Yankees probably aren't, I mean, they lost the, the Rizzo story, the Herman story. Every day it's a bad story coming out from Yankee land right now. But 
And I guess that's just kind of the point. Like teams are kind of like scuffling to the wire here that, you know, our good teams, the Red Sox uh, just got swept by your Jays. Uh, the Jays though have been pounded by their own division. They have their own issues. We'll see. Um, I do like them right against Cleveland right now. We'll talk about that shortly, but uh, the angels haven't won a game in August. You know, the Mariners were tra- traded away their closer, uh, but yet they're surging right now. So who knows? It's a, it's a kind of a complicated picture. For sure. Um, I think the pitcher the Rays are really missing right now is Taj Bradley. Like he was, he was promoted in the middle of April. Like, you know, they obviously had high hopes for him. He got off to like an okay start with them. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't, hasn't been good. Like all of his July starts were average to bad. Um He's kind of the guy they're missing. I feel like, like yeah. he, like if he was effective, like he has a five sixty seven ERA. If that was a three sixty seven ERA, and they could count on him, like that would be. Now you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, got Glass now and him and Savali and Eflin. Okay, this is we can work with that. I think yeah. he's the guy who, like, obviously the injured pitchers let them down in a different way, but he's the one who let them down, you know, perform from a performance standpoint. And it turns out like we were criticizing them for sending Bradley down after like his debut. Yeah. And then after a second, good start, turns out maybe he did need more work. It wasn't just a, Oh, he's used to a six day rest rotate the schedule or something of that nature, as opposed to five days uh, or six day rotation, as opposed to a five day rotation. Uh, you know, they said that as part of the thing, maybe that there's some accuracy to it and we should forever stop questioning the race when it comes to that, their handling of that. But nonetheless, I mean, I will say this. They've had a lot of pitchers go down, not just this year, but in, in previous years, too. Uh, not just starting pitchers, but a lot of the relief pitchers have gotten hurt over the years. Does that bring you pause to drafting raised pitchers next year? Um, well, they've also pitched really well when they're not hurt. Right. So maybe there's your projection. Maybe you, for some of these guys, you project really good ratios and don't get crazy with the innings total. Yeah, right, like, that that's easy enough. But then when rubber hits the road and you want to draft Jeffrey, the next Jeffrey Springs, because you know he gets all that uh, March helium. I mean, I guess you just, I guess you're just out, right? You're you right. Can, well, you have to get him in January. Yeah, I guess if the Rays are going to get, if if Rays pitchers are going to get helium, I mean, maybe that maybe what we're talking about will be an industry consensus, and they won't get that helium next year. We'll see. But yeah. you know, if the Rays pick up pitchers over the winter. Maybe people won't get so crazy on them. I don't know. We'll see. Because what you're saying, I've heard from a few others as well. So maybe that will become the consensus opinion. But maybe you, if the Rays acquire a pitcher over the over the winter, like unless you're really confident in his health, I mean, maybe you project him to pitch really well for 140 innings, 130 innings. I know that's still way more than you got from Springs and Rasmussen, but right. you temper your expectations. Right. And then what do you do with Glass now, of course, again? Uh, we're going to have the same questions we had this year with Tyler Glass now, especially now that these back issues have cropped up, especially because it, let's face it. I mean, it hasn't really paid off. If you, if you paid the going rate on Tyler Glass now thinking you're going to get a steal once he comes back. Yeah. He, he's still someone who could, yeah, go maybe a little bit either way. Like he's at 68 innings. If, mm-hmm. if this went well, you know, maybe he could get, he could get over a hundred, maybe he get over 110 innings if the 110 innings are good and they come with his strikeout rates really good and they come with 140 strikeouts, like and good ratios, like that's, that's not bad considering where he was drafted. I'd say that's pretty good, but you're right. We're one more injury from him away from getting 80 innings. And that's not, not what you're looking for. No, it's definitely not. Yeah. So 
Yeah, uh, he might be. Uh, yeah, it might be another fade again next year. There, we'll see. Maybe Zach Eflin and Aaron Savali will be like next year's helium guys. Zach Littell, anybody yeah. named Zach that they pick up, I guess. But uh, uh, you know, there might be a pitcher to be named later. Erasmo Ramirez might be. They turn him into something. Who knows? Because um, they do turn people into something. Now, I think some of that is they encourage max effort. I think that may lead to more injury, perhaps. I mean, that might maybe that's part of the solution. Next year, Shane Baz will be at their disposal, um, but we'll see. I, I don't know. It's just it's a heartbreaker. All right, another heartbreaker. Josh Young, you know, fluke thumb injury out six weeks. Yeah, that one's another. Like we didn't get too deep in the fantasy with uh, McClanahan because obviously it kind of story kind of writes itself. McClanahan's a crushing blow because he's the ace on a lot of teams. But uh, Josh Young, that one also is maybe not quite as crushing, but. Pretty close. He, you know, he was on pace for maybe to get 35 home runs this year. He's one of this year's, you know, true breakout players. He might have got to 100 in runs or RBIs. I would say maybe he falls a little short, but um, yeah. And now he's a drop everywhere. That's a that's a big blow. It is. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. It, it, it takes a big piece out of a Rangers lineup that had been amazing, has been amazing, but maybe has a bit of an overachieving vibe to it. And then now you take one of the overachievers out. It, it, I don't know. We'll see. Like I, my complaint about the Rangers lineup before the season was I, I felt like it dropped off after the top four. He's one. Josh Young's one of the players who kept it from dropping off. Right. He's oh. gone now. So now you look at if I just look at their their lineup here at Fangraphs, you got Robbie Grossman, Travis Jankowski, Mitch Garver, Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares. Well, and that's just the thing, Josh. <laughs> you, Jonah Heim is not in that lineup right oh, now. Oh yeah, either. yep, you're right. That's another yep. one that they lost. Now Garver, yep. he, he homered yesterday, I think. Uh, that, that's one that he, he offensively, I think he'll be pretty helpful. But there's a reason why they also traded for Austin Hedges, is they know defensively teams are going to run wild whenever Garver's behind the plate. Uh, one of those other guys that has lengthened the lineup is Ezekiel Durant, hitting 278, 323, 477 slug this year. Uh, 14 homers, six bags. We, you know, he's, he's not running a lot. I, I don't know if he's a real life, great player, 17 walks against 90 K's and 329 at bats or 329 plate appearances. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of a flawed player, but they, they've gotten kind of the, uh, the max out of him out of Tavares out of Jankowski this year. Yeah. Duran, the, the red flags are already up. Like his, his OPS since the start of July is under 500. So yeah. He's just really bottomed out and, but the other guys have been able to cover him for him. So, mm -hmm. you know, he was at the, at one time, one of their best hitters, like, like, like May, June, he's one of their best hitters. And then, and one of the reasons I think they're overachieving now he's bottomed out, but you can kind of hide him by burying him in the lineup, play him part-time. Now he's going to have to step up and maybe play every day. So they need him to pick it up, right. To get back you know, to maybe not, well, he's not going to get back to what he was in May and June, but at least get back to being a 750, 730 OPS kind of guy, not the 500 that he's been over the last five weeks. So, yeah, I don't know. I still feel like with Texas, we could really go either way. I, we, yeah. They're one of the more interesting teams to me. Obviously, getting Scherzer and Montgomery is a big, like they're a team that got a lot of pitching at the deadline. So, they kind of had to though, right? They did. I mean That's right. That's right. So now their rotation though looks pretty good. Scherzer, Montgomery, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, you know, like, like that's pretty good. I, like you could shoot some holes in Dane Dunning as an overachiever so far this year. Gray's been up and down, but overall that's a pretty good, 
rotation right now. I mean, a lot, lot better than what we just looked at with the Rays. So, you know, I, I, I still think Texas makes the playoffs. I don't know if I think they'll hold off Houston or not. Yeah. They're three games up on the Astros right now. Um, quite a bit more than like possible wildcard teams. So yeah, they're, they're, they're probably in good shape here. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, something though that like, they need some of these new guys to really step up right away. Avaldi coming back healthy would be huge for them too. He was so good before yeah. he got hurt. Yeah, I just think there's enough arms there to keep them from bottoming out. Like maybe, maybe Gray just goes in the tank or Dunning goes in the tank at some point, but that's okay as long as Scherzer's going. If Montgomery's going, like, like I think they have enough there where they're not reliant. Like one guy could kind of go in the tank and they could lose maybe four of his starts in a row five of the starts in a row, but that would be okay. Cause I think there's enough around them, you know, for, for them to stay in it. So, yeah, I mean, I've been kind of the low man on the Rangers all year. So I think people should just stop listening to me on them and <laughs> assume they're going to hold off Houston and win the division. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that's the yeah. way to go. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'd bet on the Astros too. I mean, getting Verlander is huge. I bet on them yeah. definitely in the playoffs. I think that's the area where you look at it and be like, yeah, definitely going to be something there that I want to, I want to get behind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think once Houston gets in the playoffs, they're going to be, be really dangerous. You do not want that first round matchup in my opinion against Houston. Like no. if they end up, if they don't pass Texas and they end up in that wild card spot, like I would not want to be, the team that plays like you just obviously like it goes without saying you want to play Minnesota. I just want to play anyone before Houston. Yeah. I th- I'd rather I play Texas. Right. Like I'd rather play anyone before Houston in the first round. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, the other massive I- issue uh, is the, the Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez situation there and the suspensions that came from that. Now, Tim Anderson is missing games now, not because of the suspension, but because he's got a bad elbow, a sore elbow is now the case is listed as being a scratch, but you know, this is just the call. Like the white Sox were the leading character on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, yeah. And you never want to be the leading character on Twitter and the, and the white Sox between the Tim Anderson uh, Jose Ramirez fight, and then the subsequent comments from Keenan Middleton and backing oh. up by Lance Lynn, uh, the the clubhouse culture, you know, there were the, the kind of half rebuttals from the organization after that. Not a good time to be a White Sox fan right now. No, or or in White Sox management, you'd have to think there's going to be some fallouts from the Middleton and Lynn comments. Yep. By the after the season, I mean, especially Lynn, someone who's been there for a while. Right. So, yeah, like and, and would know the difference between <coughs> I'm sorry, yeah, between, you know, like a good culture and a bad culture in that organization. So, yeah, this is just a bad this. This is a team that could really, I think, like really get ugly down the stretch. Like, yeah. They're already third last in the American League. They're just a team that I think could be maybe as bad of a record as any team the rest of the way. Just the vibe there seems like awful. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it too much. They did beat the Yankees last night. So maybe I maybe I'm playing too much into the Twitter stuff. Very generous strike zone last night. Holy was it ever. And Dylan C still walks seven guys. Yeah. Yeah. That generous strike zone, he walks seven guys and doesn't pay for it. Back to back games where just walks were I mean, the strike zone was all over the place two days in a row for the Yankees. Uh, on Sunday, both the Astros and the Yankees walked twelve. 12 batters a piece. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. That, 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 
it's not a pitching issue at that point. It ceases to become a pitching <laughs> issue. It becomes, uh, it, it absolutely has to become then an umpiring issue. And I'm, I'm almost, I'm very confident that was the case here. Yeah. Like those, <coughs> sorry, the Aaron Boone tirade was, was right on point. It, like, it, that's one of my favorite ones I've seen in a while where he's just perfectly laying out like the pitch is here and you keep calling it a strike and striking them out, you know, and it's like, yep, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So, exactly. So, anyways, back to the White Sox. I think they're, yeah, they're a mess. Tim Anderson's a mess. If your elbow's hurt, why don't you just start serving your suspension? But I guess it's because he'll be docked pay, right? During the well, season. yeah, because it's not, it, yeah, he's still going to appeal. There's um, money in it for him to get yeah. that thing if he can get it down to five games. I thought all the suspensions were really light. Um, I think, I think a lot of people did. Yeah, I think so. I too. was surprised. I thought, I thought that he and Ramirez would both get a number that would be 10 or close to 10 games. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, that's the exact number that Tim and I came up with when we were talking about it too. Tim Schuler and I, uh, we were like, we were discussing, okay, we should be ready to be without him for 10 games. You know, there are so many things about this, uh, you know, about this fight. There's, first of all, it was a real fight. I mean, you're a hockey guy, so you're like, yeah, whatever. But for <laughs> baseball fans, I mean, it was a hockey fight, the way they squared off. Yep. Um, the way the umpire, said uh no i don't want any part of this i'm gonna let yeah, it get happen. out of the way let him you guys want to do this go ahead and do it i'm not i'm not taking a shot in, as the umpire terry francona's like boys will be boys i mean that sounded like a hockey coach even it did it did um yeah i was surprised especially like i don't know just looking at all the peripherals to it cleveland and chicago are both kind of out of the race i know mm-hmm. cleveland's like kind of in the race but not really they kind of pulled themselves out of the race at the trade deadline like it weirdly yes super easy to make an example out of these guys if you don't want this to happen again i mean for ramirez like three games like he decked somebody <laughs> i mean they can say he didn't start it but he decked somebody and he got three games like that's not if you play for Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas City, whatever, down the stretch, and somebody pisses you off and you want to deck them, you're only going out for three games. That's not bad. Yeah. So uh, I, I was stunned that Ramirez only got three. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like anybody that drafted him was like, whew. Yes. You know, like I, I can, if, if you, if you're in LABR and you're in labor and you have Ramirez, okay. I'll, I'll deal with the risk of three games because I get three other games that week. You know, if you're in the NFC, it's even better. I mean, you can set it for that half week if you know when he's going to start serving it. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I, I again, he's going to appeal because of the money aspect to it, but mm-hmm. I guess. But if he wanted to just take the three games, that was basically a gift. They could pick a day where it feels like a nice day for him for an off day and then just start the three games right there. Right. Like that would be yeah. really easy to say, oh, yeah, we don't love this matchup or we just think you could use a day. Take this here. You know, um, I think the six games is enough. If anyone's still holding Tim Anderson, like that's got to be enough to just say. Well, I benched him in Tower Wars this week thinking he would start serving it because I don't think he has much of a defense. Uh, by the way, thanks a lot. Maybe for the draft- three games is his defense. The three games to Ramirez. Like he could be like, what? I get twice as much as this guy. Right. Like he decked me. Like I get, and you're giving him only three and I get six. Like if he's only getting three, I should only get four or five. Maybe that's, that'll be his defense. Yeah, maybe so. But, but six feels fair. Yeah. Anyways, if they both got six, I'm surprised that Anderson got double what Ramirez got. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I, I thought it'd be like five. I think it'd be like seven and nine. You know, I thought Anderson should get more. He, he basically kind of started it. Uh, but, 
you know, as, as Ramirez says, I finished it. But, you know, and then there was a lot of shenanigans after there, too. After, yes. You know, like Anderson coming out of the dugout. That probably is one of the reasons why he got a little bit more. Uh, but still, I mean, it, the White Sox, who cares? I mean, whatever. Our season's already ruined anyhow. Tim Anderson on my fantasy team. Season's already ruined anyhow. What are you doing with Tim Anderson next year? Oof. Um. Well, he's only 30, so... I think next year, like he's only 30 going into this year. He had four years in a row where he hit 300. Mm -hmm. He's always been a base dealer this, this year. He might even finish with, I don't know, with the suspension, maybe fills with 17 steals, something like that. 16 steals. That's something. The power is just completely gone. I think he's a late round pick next year. Don't you? I don't like if someone wants to take Tim Anderson next year around like 13, they can have him. I think he's like, he's a bench pick or something like that at the start of next year. He was a third round pick this year, and now he's going to like a bench pick. I mean, he's been that bad. Um, you know, you used to always okay. At least I get batting average, some stolen yes. bases, and about fifteen homers. I mean, I, I, he he's like Javi a, Baez now. Oh, he was yeah, he was like a really good foundational piece. Like where people would say, like, hey, you get a three hundred hitter, you know, in round three or four or five or whatever. But you get a three hundred hitter who can steal you fifteen or twenty bases, get fifteen or twenty home runs just across the board production. Like that's a great way, great, like foundational player to be one of the first two or three hitters onto your, to your team. And then, yeah, like you said, we're now we're talking about him just being like a bench player or maybe like, he's like a round 17. And then, so you're like, yeah, whatever. If he doesn't work out, you know, the guys around 17 kind of come in out of my lineup anyways, if he doesn't work out, then that's fine. But yeah, I think, I think it's gotta be, that low. I don't think I'll be the guy. I think there's going to be, it seems like we're headed towards a big shift in Chicago, maybe this off season, like just with all this stuff about the culture and everything. So maybe we'll just have to kind of read the tea leaves next year when spring training comes and see if this seems like a different vibe and a more motivated group. Right. Um, but, but Anderson for years is someone who I've, I've had Anderson on my teams very rarely over the years because he's someone who usually has a super high BABIP. And I mean like close to 400 a lot of seasons and then terrible strikeout to walk ratio. So you get, so when I'm evaluating him every year, I'm usually like, this guy is not a 300 hitter and I project him to hit 270. And then other people obviously continue to project him to hit 300 and then they draft him. Yep. So this was uh, one year I was right. A lot of years I was wrong. Yeah. And and people got good value out of him. Speaking of perplexing suspensions, I got a tweet from Jack, uh, uh, not the Jack of Twitter, but, his name is Jack uh, asking, you know, commenting about the O's suspending their, their broadcaster for yeah. pointing out the O's record against the Rays in recent years. They even had like a graphic signed up for it. So it's not like they knew it was coming and they still did, did a minute. And apparently they suspended someone else for a, a pair, uh, what they were wearing. I think that must be Melanie Newman, I'm guessing or something like that. But um, what sort of, I mean, good stuff going on the baseball ops, but what a clown show running this team in the front, like, from like the ownership level and you know whatever henchmen they have, yeah, it just seemed um, so. Who it is? It was Michael K. I think he referred to them as thin-skinned, and I think that's that's it. It's it's like they're still carrying baggage from the rebuild. Like yep. basically the whole, like you said, the whole graphic was you know during the rebuild the Rays really owned us, but this yeah. season, but this season we've shown little signs when we've played them of you know kind of turning things around. So. But, but, you know, they really owned us during the rebuild. So, like... It was like, 100% truthful. It wasn't inflammatory. It no. was nothing. So it was when a big I watched nothing the, burger. Yeah, when I saw the clip, I was watching it. 
Like I watched it twice because the first time I watched it, I was like, did I miss something? Like, did he say something inappropriate? Like I just, I was waiting for the shoe to drop. Like I was just waiting for him to say something inappropriate. And then I was like, like, well, sorry, what did he get suspended for? And I had to step back and think about it and think, oh, okay, this is, yeah, this is what, uh, you know, this is what he was thinking. This is what I guess someone from the organization had a problem with. Yeah. I, things are bad all over media companies really get are getting screwed left and right media members are getting screwed left and right uh you know you, you see layoffs across sports media all the time i mean that that's one of those things that we're seeing here too uh just so so bad i, I don't know and i and i like that all the broadcasters that i follow on twitter twitter are rallying around uh but yeah at the same time i mean it's just it's like running backs rallying around the you know the devaluation of the position uh it it sucks but there's nothing to do we can do about it there it does seem like other organizations i don't know i i I don't get the vibe that this is going to be a a problem like like a a continual problem among broadcasters it seems Mm -hmm. to be an isolated baltimore thing i don't know i just think um yeah, and like you said, like the biggest thing to his credit is it's not like he went off on a tangent. It's not like he was in the middle of the game and there was some downtime. And right. he was like, you know what? We've really had our butts kicked in Tampa for right. I don't even know how long. Like this, like you said, this was a fully planned. I will say that after spending many, many years working for MLB.com, like when I worked for them, you had to be very careful as to how you phrase things when you wrote your articles you could write negative things about players but you didn't alliterate the you know you didn't describe like you just let the numbers which is kind of what he did but you just let the numbers do the talking but since i've worked for yahoo i'm much more candid in a negative comment about a team or a player when i did work for the league website i was it was very i learned very quickly to be very soft in any criticism about players you could do it because you had to do it because you were giving people fantasy baseball advice and mm-hmm. you had to tell them you know like don't pick this guy up or drop this guy but it would be very professional i don't know it would be very soft like it would be like this person's hit 181 since june 1st you know Right. They, they may not be a fit in your mix. Labor anymore. issues are a third rail. Media criticism is a third rail. It you can't just, touch any of those you were things. Very, I was very, very, I was taught very quickly to be very careful with negative comments because you knew, you just didn't know when an owner or a general manager or a president would read something you wrote. Um, and we would have fantasy blurbs at the bottom of articles the main articles when guys would get hurt or traded or something. So if you were going to criticize a trade or something, like you couldn't really do that. You'd be very careful. Like, again, yeah. like if you were going to criticize a trade, like you'd have to really be careful as to how you phrase that. And I learned that very early and I did that pretty well. Having, I work another government job in education. I got, I had some experience with how you phrase things. So, um, but anyways, I, I, after working that job for so many years, I was not surprised at all about the suspension. Like I was surprised, but not surprised. I was right. like, Oh, I can see how that you catch the wrong owner or the wrong team president or something on the wrong day. And they do have the power to do something like this to a guy. And that owner said owner, John Angelos was already known for his thin skin. Cause we saw right. like, you know, that, that one interview he gave, well, it wasn't an interview. That was the problem. It was this like promotional thing on Martin Luther King jr. Day. And it's like he hadn't given an interview in two years. So the athletics uh, writer covering the O's, Dan Connolly, I believe was his name, yeah. asked him a, cut, a couple of questions. And he's like, 
how can you ask me that on Martin Luther King Jr. Day? You know, when, you know, no, we're not stenographers just giving you good PR, you know? Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I think that's uh, probably a case. I used to do, we used, I used to do some media stuff on MLB a network and that hasn't happened in a long time. I don't know. I'm kind of outspoken every once in a while. I'm hardly the bomb thrower. Other people are out there, but enough that I've probably been critical of, you know, MLB, the, 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 you know, I'm very pro player when it comes to labor disputes. Uh, I probably, maybe even some media criticism from time to time. So um, if that's the case and I'm not on because of that, so be it. I, no one's ever said anything to me that, but all of a sudden I noticed that I'm not asked anymore. I now. think it's more that they're pretty out on the fantasy business. They are, yeah, which like, is they, so weird. I mean, I that's a whole other podcast, but yeah, they uh, the NFL has has dove so far into fantasy, right? Like there's shows on NFL Network, like there's so much content right. on the NFL League website, whereas Major League Baseball has like fully like ba- they fully pulled out of having. They do that little DraftKings snippet here yeah, and there, that's it. Or, and and maybe yeah. FanDuel now I've seen a little bit too. But point is that's a, and a lot of times they're doing the gaming side of things. They're not even doing the fantasy. That it, let alone like they used to have Corey and Mike do the fantasy four one one. That's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't even have like a like a segment. They're like you know, God forbid you have a standalone show. Um, there, there's yeah. an audience there, and they, they just I, I choose always not said, to f- serve it. Yeah, I've always said like. Fantasy managers have got to be like one of your most likely sources of people to watch out of market games. Like who's watching, you know what I mean? Out of market games. It's people who play fantasy are people. And let, let alone programming all day long. I mean, they, yeah. they've got, they've got a, a thirsty audience that would love to have some good content during the day. And they just, I mean, I guess the ratings weren't there when they had that, but Corey and Mike did great work. I mean, I love Corey Schwartz and Mike Ciano. I mean, I think they, I think the four one one was a great show. You did some stuff on there. Yeah, right. well, they kind of turned it over to me and Matthew Leach for a few years. Yep, and that's then, right. Corey Matthew Leach is great. More, yeah, and Corey went off more on the Statcast mm-hmm. side, like stat side thing, which was great. And um, yeah, and we had some great things going on. And and then there was a season where I was going to Rogers Center and doing the afternoon on the. You know, I, oh I, yeah, that's right. Right. And I was doing those in the afternoon show and doing fantasy hits and, and we were getting more content on the website and getting more of our stuff on the front page. And it was like, okay, we're, we're moving slowly in the direction that football has moved where you right. integrate fantasy. And now like betting has become such a bigger thing, uh, which yeah. is, which is still in our entire industry. That's true. Still also. loosely tied into fantasy. Like at the time there was like, like, like when I was with them, it was more like, like you weren't sure, like, are we cool with DraftKings? Are we not cool with DraftKings? Like, is this gambling and the league shouldn't be involved in this? Or, or what are we doing here? But now it's fully, it, it's mainstream. And uh, so I'm really surprised that they haven't, like they, like I say, they went in the whole other direction and just cut, said, we're not, we're not going to have a, fa- we're not going to run any fantasy content. We're not going to do anything and i've been waiting to see if it's going to come back so far it's been a few years since i left there and they haven't made any moves in that direction they changed some some guys at the top and they they're not really into into doing fantasy which is like not the end of the world like there's so many companies like rotowire and so many companies that have fantasy baseball covered just it's just weird to have the league not they still have the biggest microphone they still do it's it's weird not to have the league like when I used to do those hits, like they were they were five minutes on an afternoon pregame show, like 
not much trouble. You know what I mean? To put in a little bit of fantasy. Yeah. And Brian Kinney used to be like big on that. He, I used to do something when he was with ESPN, the, the fantasy 350 on ESPN news, he and Michael Kim got to know them pretty well. Uh, you know, they were, they were great to me. I I have no, no beef with Brian. Obviously I think I love, I love BK. Uh, but you know, all that is gone. It's just gone. Yeah. I hope it'll come back. Like, I don't know. Things, things change over time. Hopefully eventually it'll, it'll come back. So I kind of, after I left, I kind of thought for a year or two, I was like kind of kept in touch and like, are you sure you don't want to dive back in on fantasy? And then just kind of said, okay, I guess they're not, they're not really into it. But like I said, like just seeing the NFL move in such an incredibly different direction where Mm -hmm. I feel like they, they have more, more fantasy coverage all the time. Yeah. No one's ever saying football's dying. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. All right. Um, we got a little far afield, but that's what we do sometimes, especially yeah. in August that we're allowed to do that. Uh, we are going to get you back on, on field by letting you know that we know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The home run forecast index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from one to 10 one being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable error. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com right now to sign up. Again, that's homerunforecast.com. Also, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching 
so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence with that. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. We're talking all things baseball. Fred, an interesting situation, unfortunate situation came up yesterday in the NFPC. Uh, they had some tech issues. Their, their site was down for three, three and a half, four hours yesterday. Unfortunately, on a Monday over lineup lock, when we had a game that started, we had a day game that started maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes after the site went down. I personally was affected by that, trying to get, you know, get a do. I, I'm sometimes I'm scrambling to get all my lineups set. You know, and that's shame on me for not doing it sooner. But you know what? Sometimes I need to see those lineups. Sometimes I've got other stuff going on during the day. Point is, you know, you have up until the start of game to set your lineup. But we weren't able to in many cases. That extended all the way to the 640 Eastern and 705 Eastern games, too, before they finally got everything fixed. I don't want to <laughs> illustrate the NFC necessarily here, but it's a thorn- it presents a thorny problem. Tech issues happen. What's your remedy for when that something like this happens? Yeah, I felt bad for the, like I felt bad for Greg and Tom and the guys and like obviously yeah. we like the NFBC so much and you don't want to see anyone yeah. you don't want to see anyone put in that situation and on a Monday of all days, right? If this right. just happened to their site on a Wednesday, people would just be annoyed they couldn't check their teams. But like like on a Monday of all days. So um yeah, I felt bad for them. I thought the option to change your lineup till nine PM was like okay. I think in hindsight, I would have just said that your lineup sets that players just set tonight or like, so that everybody could just do whatever with the players last night. I think there's like a little inequity there as far as like, like, I think they announced that, I don't know what time do you think they announced that your lineups were going to lock at nine Eastern. Six Probably like seven thirty, seven forty, 30, 7 40 or yeah, so. so, is you, my guess. so you had like um, a couple hours. I, I think it might've been a little earlier that than that. I'll I think you had a couple hours. Yeah. So, okay. So, and, and I'm always a big proponent. Like I like the weekly leagues. I like, I don't like daily leagues because I've got jobs and family and kids to run around and things like that. Like some people would have had the availability to really sit and watch what was going on last night. And, you know, at eight fifty, go in and be like, okay, you know, this pitcher's out, this guy's going in, whatever. Right. Um, not everybody's able to do that. I think Scott tweeted out that he was not able to do that. He was, busy last night yeah you went to the taylor swift concert last night i know this. yeah uh-huh. first world problems couldn't, yes couldn't change uh, lineups my but... kid went on saturday night too it's, it's... okay by the so, way taylor taylor the, the, the series of taylor swift concerts it's the our generation's version of like michael jackson at the peak of his powers or you yeah. two at the peak of their powers i mean it's insane how hard it is to get the tickets what a phenomenon it is to go to these you know everyone dresses up as their favorite era and all that and you know and she goes on for three and a half, four hours too. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous too, which is ridiculously amazing. Uh, but anyways, I'm getting far afield again. <laughs> um, I, the thing is too, we had an extraordinary event. We saw, we had the Seth Lugo start, you know, yeah. and you know, I think uh, I saw it was being pushed out that I think, not, you know, before like people were able to remedy it, he was like 99% started to start week for a pitcher that's been pitching very well. Mm-hmm. got destroyed a lot of people swapped him out 
other people swapped out spencer strider um drew smiley one of these is not like the other which one yeah. could it be uh the point is though you had that free look now i think it's gonna be funny if strider shoves in, over the weekend which is probably the likely result even yep. against the mets but we'll see uh but the lugo situation is the one that was thorny right because it's a huge windfall to get him out of there when you know what's happened that's right and so i just i was trying to think of like the equity of the whole thing, right? So if you had Lugo, you could get him out. If you had someone who didn't pitch well, but was a late start Monday, you couldn't get him out. Um, I think there's no perfect solution. I just think that maybe if roster, if, if they just had players lock instead of at their, instead of at nine o'clock yesterday, but at first pitch for their game today, then I've seen be, that as a possible solution. You're just like, I think that would have been easy because then, you're, it doesn't matter what time zone you live. Like if you're in Eastern time or sorry, in Western Pacific time zone, six o'clock last night, like you may not be home from work. Just if you look, and that's just people who work a standard work day. Right. You may not be home from work. If you're someone who has 15 teams and you get home from work at 540 on the Pacific coast, like good luck. You're not going to be able to probably check all those rosters. So I think, I think today would have been like, okay, everybody, you can sit down last night whenever you have time or this morning or this afternoon mm -hmm. and you can change your rosters however you want and they're going to lock at first pitch tonight i think that pro if they had this situation happen again i think that might be a, a situation a better answer that kind of levels the playing field based on like like what time zone you live in and how busy your life is um and that's one thing i've always loved about the nfbc is you can be amazing at the nfbc and still have a life like you don't have to be <laughs> sorry you don't have to be like on your computer when a closer gets hurt because you got to pick up the setup man like it, it does not like that so you know if a guy gets called up emerson hancock gets called up today you don't have to be the first guy you know the guy who's unemployed and just sitting there refreshing his phone You're like you don't have to be that guy you can actually have a life so i felt like that I, was, I feel like that's a shot across my bow by the way in yahoo <laughs> friends and you're family. employed you're yeah. you, wait wait did you pick up emerson hancock no um no, but I over the course of the season, Yuri Perez and yeah. uh, a few others. Now, Ellie De La Cruz was just a righteous speculation. You know, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't different. like acting upon him getting called up. I yeah. guess I did it like a week before. So that one I'm not I, I'm not going to take any criticism for. But Royce Lewis is another one where it was working out before he got hurt, of course, yeah. and then he got hurt. Uh, but, you know, yeah, there's a difference. I get it. You know, most people have real jobs and the trade off is you kind of also know like, Oh, the NFBC is my, my major important league. I'm going to be constantly checking that site to get, right. to get in. So they're, they're probably going to be checking the best they can, but uh, I, I agree. Now I, I think that would have been an elegant solution. I don't mind what they did. Um, I don't think there's, there's whatever you uh, solution you come to. I think you're going to have some people be pretty unhappy. Uh like I wanted to get, I, I really legitimately wanted to get Clayton Kershaw in a league and one of my three mains and couldn't, you know, and then I, of course I could afterwards once they had the amnesty, but right. you know, I, I understand that it wasn't like Seth Lugo was left in a lineup by oversight. People affirmative, affirmatively yep. put him in. And so they kind of get a little bit of, but you can't set a rule just for one player or one type of player either. So, I and, mean, and a lot of good NFBC players set their lineups late 
after they see the major league lineups. Right. Like, it, like there's like I know some people could say right away, like, well, you should have had your lineup set. Waivers went last night. You could have set mm-hmm. your lineups last night. You could have set them this morning. That's all fine. You can like preliminary set them. But a lot of people who are really into the NFBC, the people who pay a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of money, um, a lot of those people wait for as many lineups to come out as possible, you know, before they that's right. They set their lineups. And they were if you didn't have something where they pushed it back, you were denied the opportunity to set your lineup. You had to have something. Like I said, I just think that they probably should have just pushed it all the way to today. And then it would be fair, whether you had East coast players, West coast players, you know, no matter what you were doing. Well, when it, when the information came out, I was at my kid's soccer game. One of my kids was playing soccer last night. I saw that they had a nine o'clock deadline. I was able to kind of sit and go on my phone and adjust some of the lineups, but like, while coaching, that's pretty impressive. It was not. It was not coaching. It was oh. full spectator in the lawn chair. But, um, but you know what I mean. Like then you put me in a spot mm-hmm. where now I'm not watching my kid's soccer game for a while to try to go back and forth. Getting a glare from your wife. Why are Twitter. you on your phone? I, I was okay because I I took him alone last night, so no oh, one knows okay. about that. I also had the blue. I'm also trying to watch the Blue Jays game on my phone at the same time <laughs> as the soccer game. So that's tough too. All but sorts no, of truth telling going on in this. Yeah, app. but during the soccer game now, I'm going back and forth between Twitter and looking at lineups and going back into. And I'm now I'm looking at box scores to see how certain guys. Oh, this guy was 0 for four this afternoon. Maybe let's see if I can maybe get him out now until Friday because all I've got so far is an 0 for four, and he's only got a couple more games. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, I think. I did a little bit of that. I did on the positive side of things. Kevin Newman stole a base yesterday. Mm -hmm. Okay. He goes in. in. It is a 15 team. I had one marginal spot. Anyhow, he goes in. Get the one steal. I'll take that in half a week. Drew Waters. Same thing. He got a stolen base last night. I mean, you know, yeah, you feel a little cheesy doing it, but them's the rules. Them's the breaks, right? I mean, if you, and chances are, I mean, they're playing more games this week than others. You take that chance anyhow. So, because uh, there, it wasn't a super heavy slate yesterday either. That was the other thing that was kind of interesting. So, um, Tony Gonsolin, I thought was an interesting decision. Like, uh, you know, he's getting a win. Yeah. But he also had pretty terrible ratios. And so you kind of like this. It, we're already at that point in the season. Like, okay, how important is that win to me? You know, how, what, what's more important? Yuri Perez was a little close too. I mean, he gave up four runs in like five and two thirds, but he also got you nine Ks. Like how important are those Ks? Would you rather, you know, you're not going to get a win and you know, you're not going to get good ratios. That's right. The Perez, and, and like you said, like most of these guys are starting again later the week in the week. Yeah. So unless the starts really killing you, you probably want to leave them in, in hopes that if you believe in the pitcher, in hopes that the second start, will go better the Perez one's a trickier one the Gonsolin one I'd almost always just take the win I think wins are so hard to come by yeah they're so fickle and I find I don't know if you find this but I find in all my leagues in the standings like the wins are always tightly bunched because of oh, just yeah. the nature of wins like it's it's very rare where I have a fantasy team where I'm like oh yeah there's no one within five wins of me up or down I'm just kind of floating it's I, I find the wins are always tightly bunched so I would take almost any pitching performance to get the win Tony Gonsolin hasn't been very good at all lately. Um, I've been kind of like spotting him here and there, but with the two start week, I was going to start him. Like I have him in labor. I did. St- I think I, it's, I think it's labor. Right? It's either late. One of the two leagues that I have an RT, I think it's labor where I have him and I started him. I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, but it, he's been pretty bad and he was down five, nothing in this game and still got an easy win. 
Think about that for a second. For <laughs> what a no good, awful, lousy week the weekend the Padres had against the Dodgers. Yeah, that's a and that's a killer because they were starting to gain some traction. Yeah, after they went in that bold direction of, you know, trying to make the playoffs rather than than punting on their season when most people would have gone in the other direction. But right. you're right on Gonsolin. Like I just looked him up here. Last nine starts, it was a pretty good sample size. Six eighty nine ERA, one eight one forty three whip, and that's without. A high Babbitt or anything, and not a lot of strikeouts. Nine starts, thirty-eight strikeouts, so basically four a start. Yeah, he's been quite mediocre at best, right? a lot worse, I guess, than that. Has managed to get three wins in those games because he pitches for the Dodgers, right? And the Dodgers are just so desperate for. Although it's not right like now. the Dodgers bullpen has been like really fully supported. They haven't had a great bullpen either, but the but offense... they've been better in the last month and a half. That's true. Yeah. Um, they were yeah. really awful in June. And then I think in the last month and a half, they've been a lot better, but still uh point holds, you know, who else is yikes right now? Carlos Estevez. Oh my goodness. You want know, to talk in you know, a poor angels. They did the right thing. They went for it. You know, they, they held Otani. They added to the roster at the, t- the trade deadline. They got uh, Giolito. They got, uh, when, when uh, Taylor Ward got hurt, they went out and got Grichuk who had a, horrific play in the field last night at a critical moment they got cj crone they got Reynaldo lopez now lopez is on a uh a bereavement leave right now but he should be back soon but estevis has had two gut punch blown saves after not blowing anything all year i was just about to pull that stat i but you already you already knew it so it was to ask you before before august at the trade deadline how many blown saves did he have this year 0.0 zero. Zero, 0 and a yep. 188 era now he had just shortly before the trade deadline he had given up four unearned runs in an appearance mm-hmm. um no i don't know if that and they won the game anyways i don't know if that really matters much but since the trade deadline yeah he's pitched two and a third innings and has given up nine earned runs really i just picked up and, lopez and, and friends and family i think he's going to take over yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good. Uh, I think that's a pretty smart pickup because I oh well, I don't know I don't know what they're gonna decide, but those two meltdowns are epic, and they both like both meltdowns cost them. Grand like, slam it, against the Mariners, yeah. uh, and that just set the tone for the whole weekend where they got yep. swept in a four game series too. Yep. Just awful, awful stuff. Uh, they and the Diamondbacks have just really, really tanked. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Diamondbacks, I didn't see coming as much. The Angels, I was like, <clears throat> like I don't like that roster really, other than Otani. I, I was even with Crone, like getting CJ Crone. I was like, ah, and Grichuk. I was like, ah, I don't know. Those guys outside of Colorado now don't do much for me, so I didn't like that. Arizona, I'm, I am surprised. I thought they, they would be able to hold on better than they have. Yeah, just look at the rotation. Um, they, they've had injuries and they've got underperforming kids. Uh, fought has yeah. not been that guy. Uh, as we, we talked about, spent some time talking about him earlier in the season. Hasn't worked out the way they hope. Dre Jameson needs Tommy John. Uh, who else? Uh, Nelson hasn't been very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just and Kelly was out for a while and Kelly's been really good for them this year. Yeah, that's right. Kelly was out for, yeah, that was a devastating blow at <laughs> yeah. exactly the wrong time. They, they are, you know, when we're talking about teams that didn't add starters, they're one of them. They did go out and get Seawald, but they couldn't get any uh, starting pitching help and they yeah. really needed it. Uh, Corbin Carroll's playing with a, through a bad shoulder. Someone, you know, Marte has got his usual aches and pains and he's been their second best hitter. Uh, so yeah, you kind of see it there a little bit that, you know, 
it's like I tweeted the other day, the Reds, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks are very similar. They're kind of losing at it, losing gas at the wrong time. It's not doesn't look like it's going to end well. Yeah, although, well, unless it ends well for the Padres or the Cubs, it's got to end well for one of them. Like right now, they're yeah. in that last spot. So unless unless the Padres or the Cubs jump up and get it, then it's got to end well for one of them. One of them has but to I get I think either there. the Padres or the Cubs will jump up and get yeah, it. And I think the Cubs hard. actually win the division. I think they're better than the Brewers. Uh, so oh, we'll, wow. Cubs are good. Th- that's uh, a hot take. Their run differential is certainly a lot better. Now they've padded yeah. that recently, but um, yeah. But it's been better all along. It's not, yes, they padded it recently because they've been on fire, but even in June when they were bad, their run differential was indicated that they were better. They just, they win blowout games and lose close ones. That was their kind of their MO. And sometimes that's bullpen or a managerial whim. Other times it's just bad luck. And I think it was more on the bad luck side of things there. It's a good lineup. You know, they, they score a lot of runs. Uh, pitching that losing, it's losing um, Stroman hurts them a lot, but. They're, they're a legit good team, I think. What do you think and, about the Brewers, though, now with Woodruff back? I don't know. Could they pitch their way? They Burns, could. Woodruff, Peralta's been good lately. Could they sure. pitch their way to, you know, get some guys like Miley and Hauser just soaking up innings, being okay? I wonder if they could just pitch their way to, to win the division. And Peralta's on fire right now, Yes, too. That's yeah, the other thing. It was thing. great last uh, night. And getting Woodruff back, like, they're getting an ace-level level player back right after the deadline. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. The Brewers are doing it with run prevention. The, the Cubs are doing it with offense. It's yeah. an interesting contrast there to see which which is more sustainable, right? And the Reds are doing it with smoke and mirrors. Smoke no, and mirrors. Uh, That's what I was going to say. <laughs> young, no, it's young hitters. I mean, sure as hell isn't pitching. Luke Weaver's on the mound today. Uh, hasn't given up a run yet, but uh, we're only in the second inning. And so it's it's actually he's already ahead of the game because he didn't give up a first inning run, which is kind of his specialty. But the fact that the Reds boldly did nothing at all at the trade deadline, uh, and I'm not going to believe at that point anymore. I say I say that, but I'm completely lying. But it's just it's total malpractice. They, they, you, you can't tell me they couldn't have found someone better than Weaver. Uh, they couldn't have found someone, uh, you know, some relief help. You know, that that's something they could have done is linked in their bullpen, even if like, a, you know, even if trading for an ace isn't an option. By the way, Lou Weaver has now allowed a run. So he, he, he was listening. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that that to me is it's an insult to their fan base, which packed it in once they started contending. It's an insult to players like Joey Votto saying, you know what, we're going to choose to contend later. We're not going to go for it now. You know, Votto's gone after the year. I mean, basically, I think he's going to be gone. Like, no, we're not going to do anything to supplement you there. Uh, I just, I have a hard time with that. I really do. Because you don't get to choose when everybody else is bad. You don't get to choose your contention window. You know, they were literally in first place at the time. And you, you don't get to, you know, that is contending. It's not like some sort of pirates in April thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I have a hard time with uh, the way they handled everything at the deadline. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if they looked a little bit like Ellie De La Cruz had a, a bad July. Like, there's yeah, no, he, he's struggling. Way. Yeah, absolutely. He's come back a little bit in August. Uh, and Carnassian Strand, like, he he's like hasn't been terrible since he came to the majors. Like, he hasn't embarrassed mm-hmm. himself, but he hasn't hit the ground running. Right. Like, maybe they would have hoped. I don't know if maybe they looked around and thought, you know what, there's a better chance that these kids just fade down the stretch than then they pick it up. I don't know, but I, I understand where you're coming from that. Yeah. Like you said, at the time they were winning and they still could win. They're still like right there, but it doesn't look like they have the pitching for it. The Cubs roster does look better. Like overall, 
Like when it you does. factor in pitching, it just it it does look like they'll end up ahead of the Reds. We'll see. And they certainly yeah. put it to the Reds right after the deadline. They did. Uh yeah. twice. They had yeah. two series after the deadline against them and one right before the deadline. And between those, that 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 that's gonna decide it. And you I know you've made that point that you'd like direct competition to settle yeah. things. So I still think it'll be the Brewers. I think they'll pitch their way to it. But but that's I do fair. Agree. I, I think can the see Cubs it. will the Cubs will hang around though. There's I think the Cubs will make the wild card then. I, I think unless it's the Padres, the Padres still have the talent on their totally. roster. The you look at their run differential, same thing as the Cubs. Yep. And four games is nothing. Like I know they had a bad series like with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are good. Like like four games for the Padres with almost two months left. Like, yeah, they could do this. They're they're just incredibly unclutch, the yeah. Padres are. Yeah. It, it's amazing to me. They're winless in extra innings this year. Uh like I don't think they have a grand slam this year. Uh they just you remember they were slam Diego at one point yeah. in time. Yes. And now yeah. it, it's it's it just show you know it's it's an impressive lesson in, in the concept of variance, uh, but you know they didn't really have to go that far out of their way to prove it. Uh, but Friday night, I mean, they kept on getting base runners after base runners early on, and Darvish was just keeping them in the game. And you know he he allowed the only two runs against the Dodgers. They I think he left with a two run lead, maybe it was three one when he finally left, and then the floodgates opened in in this eighth and ninth innings. But the damage was done early when they could have scored a lot more runs and they just didn't. And that was just yeah. that was that that's kind of like it was just so San Diego, so Padres yeah. this year because they've they've done that all year <laughs> long. Oh yeah, that's so many baseball games when you watch where it's a lot of sports where you watch and, you're, and a team's like doing everything right except scoring. Right, yep. where you're like, oh, they should have a lot of runs by now, and you're like, this is going to come back. It's football when you settle for field goals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hockey when you're like, we had the puck in their end all period, and we got out of it with a one nothing lead, and you're like, this is going to come back and bite us. Yeah, like, and it's just... always that debate between clutch and variance, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, <sighs> they always say that in football. They're like, oh, they dominated the first half. They're up, you know, they're up nine seven because they got three field goals. Like this is right. going to come back and bite them later on. Like. Yeah, and that's in baseball. When you leave runners on, and my Blue Jays have done it a ton this year. It's been a big problem. Right. When you leave runners on early in a game, it usually comes back to bite you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we had a whole list of players, slew of players to talk <laughs> about, but I, I kind of like the – tonight was fun. We got uh, off on t- some tangents. Yeah, I kind of right. like the general topics better sometimes. Um, we'll just highlight a, a couple of these players from this list. Uh, James Outman, you know – He's re- he was really rad, really bad in May and June. Really rough, yep. rad, bad, bad, rough. <laughs> he was rad in April. He, he was, was bad in May and June. And now he's buff. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he, he had four hits yesterday, all hard hit balls. If you look at like the hard hit rates, they've really picked right back up. Uh, pretty good rookie season. And, you know, he's even doing it sometimes against lefties, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, his OPS against lefties now is 775. He's had almost 100 plate appearances against mm-hmm. him now. So he's so good Good on the Dodgers for sticking with the kid. Like a lot of teams, I think, after, like partway yep. during June would have buried him in the minors and would have said, you know what? You had a 552 OPS in May or 551 in June. Yeah. Why don't you go spend six weeks in the minors? See if that helps. Dodgers stuck with him and he came back and hit 309 in July, 904 OPS. Yeah, he's profiling as someone from a fantasy perspective who could probably won't be a 2020 player this year, but he seemed he might have that in him, especially if we're looking at an, enough of an ability to hit lefties to stay in the lineup. So he's someone where, like, I'm not a big dynasty player, but 
Like he's someone who's gone on a roller coaster. Like in April, you thought, oh my God, I have this dynasty stud. Like I've got this guy who's going to be on the Dodgers. The Dodgers always are always good. They always have a good lineup. And I got this guy who's going to be on the Dodgers. And And I got him cheap too. Right. And then all of a sudden in May and June, you're like, ah, maybe I don't have anything. I just had a guy with a good month until major league pitchers figured him out. And now, now it's back. Now you think maybe I, maybe I've got something here. Yeah. So well, you definitely have something. It's he was just... cut in some of my leagues. I don't know if yeah. it was years. 15s. Like he was cut in some of my 15 team leagues at yeah. the end of June. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that one there. Um, tell me about David Schneider, you know, big weekend, uh, <laughs> Great story. In Fenway. uh, kind of under the radar. It wasn't like, when's David Schneider going to get the call? No, has never been a prospect. Like has never, David Schneider has never been, a big prospect. Um, he's always someone who's overachieved. You know, he's five, nine. He's always someone who's fought his way up through the system, just hit and kept himself moving up that way. Um, and yeah, the Jays were hitting so poorly after that series against the Orioles that they pressed the panic button and brought him up. And, uh, he gave them the spark they were looking for in Boston, right? He first, I don't know if you, if you, like, I get inundated with Jay's stats, but first player in Major League history to get nine hits, including two home runs in his first three games. Yeah. And just a really cool story. They hit him third in the lineup on Sunday. They hit him leadoff last night. Um, the Jays were looking for an offensive spark. Like, Bichette's out. Springer's having a miserable year. Guerrero's been slumping. Matt Chapman's been just meh since April. He's great in April. After that, he's meh. Just okay. Varsho stinks this year offensively. They were looking for a spark, and they said, let's bring this kid up and give him a couple games at second base. And, you know, he can't be any worse. We're not getting anything. Right. And I don't know where it's all going to go. I put in our notes that I picked him up everywhere I could because I find that I'm I'm actually bad at picking up Blue Jays. I'm usually so hesitant. I, I see so that I'm, I'm, I'm more likely to pick up someone who does well on another team than yeah. on the Blue Jays. I'm the But De La Cruz was cheap. Like this wasn't like picking up Ellie De La Cruz or sorry, Schneider was cheap. This isn't like picking up Ellie De La Cruz when he's on your favorite team and you got to put in $400 fab. Like I was putting in 25, 20, things like that. So I'll give him a shot. The Jays are looking for an offensive spark. If this guy keeps hitting, he will keep playing every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're probably right. I I don't know if he'll keep hitting. Keeper league. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't like that. He's out of the lineup today, Uh, but uh, so it goes. Uh, One last guy. Royals, we're gonna talk Royals and, and a positive spin. They play. They've had a good la- last ten days. Did lose last night. Cole Reagans has been very good. Um, the guy that I kind of found myself trying to fab a little bit. And he was my second option behind Chase Silseth in terms of starting pitchers. I was going after this week. Yeah. Now, how much of the fact that he's on the Royals scared you off, or is starting pitching so hard to get that it was just like? Oh, any port in a storm. It definitely lowered my bid by two units, whatever that was. You know, it's like, yeah, um, because I mean, you're just not going to get the support run run or bullpen support, you know. Uh, and you you mentioned uh, you, you said in the outline, Casey got screwed last night. What was what was the circumstance there? I don't think oh, I maybe that. I was going back. Sorry. You know what? I was going back two days when I said that to the. Oh, no, wait. Was that last night? The Now I'm getting my days mixed up. The Red Sox. Yeah, it was Red Sox was that last was night because they're in Philly yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, yeah the check swing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And last right. night, like holy moly, that's a that's a swing that counts. Like, yep. like you are out, and that would have got them out of the inning. They may not have won the game, but that would have got them out of the inning. And mm-hmm. then to come back with a grand slam right after that, 
Um, yeah, like they were furious and rightly so. That was an easy, like that should have been strike three. Like that was an easy call that he should have been out. So, right. I mean, it doesn't really, like it matters for the Red Sox and it matters for teams that are facing the Red Sox in the wild card race. It doesn't really matter for the Royals. Right. Um, but, you know, it, uh, they got screwed. <laughs> if it had been a good team, that would have been a way bigger story. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, but going back to Reagan's, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's a, it's the type of trade that the Royals needed to make too. You know, they have right. a role as Chapman. I mean, he, he means nothing to them in the future. Reagan's could mean something to them in the future. Yep. Got to do that and take a chance on them. Uh, you, you know, just the Royals history and developing pitchers. Of course, it makes us run away a little bit, but yeah, yes. I, I, I am. I'm intrigued with him at least. A Did little you bit. pick him up? I got Silseth actually more okay. often than not. So or I got outbid on Reagan's um, when I didn't get Silseth, I, where okay. I just was going like m- like minimum units on bids. <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty much this year never KC, never Oakland when it yeah. comes to starting pitchers. I just feel like their win loss records are so bad that it's like I almost just look the other way on all their pitchers. Maybe that's maybe I shouldn't do that, but that's where I've kind of been. I was I was that way with Oakland right out of the gate, and then kind of went that way with Kansas City. Yep. Yep. Just said, I'll just grab a good reliever instead. But you know what? With Reagan's, like two starts here, the last two starts, 19 strikeouts. That's, you can't, like, that's really impressive. Like, yeah, he's worth an ad. I would add him now for yeah, sure. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. I would too. All right. I think we'll end on that note. Um, we got a lot more names we could talk about. But guess what? We'll talk next week about them. We that's got plenty right. more names to talk about then and other tangents to go on there. Uh, want to thank everybody who tuned in live and who is or otherwise they're listening wherever you get your podcast after the fact. Uh, thanks to the Blue Wire Network and Home Run Fantasy Index. Uh, appreciate everybody involved there. Uh, we will be back again next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Take care. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.